A graphic novel, a TV show Well, it's not TV, it's HBO And will this thing succeed? And by how much, man? Some might cheer and some might scoff Because it's Damon Lindelof But either way we're off To watch some Watchmen Watching Watchmen Talking Watchmen Analyzing Watchmen And maybe arguing over Welcome to Watchmen Watch, a podcast about Watchmen where we smell Watchmen. Scent of a Watchman. <laughs> I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about issue six of Alan Moore and Dave Givens' comic book, The Abyss Also Gazes. The Abyss Gazes Also, excuse me. Yes. Sorry, Frederick Nietzsche. Or How whatever. dare you? Sorry about that. Uh, we do we do have a little bit of news right yes. here at the top uh, of the podcast. So, um, obviously, you guys all know that Alan Moore is the fourth host of this podcast. Right. Um, he did um, uh, just text me. Um, and uh, he obviously, he is sitting here in the room, but he texted me, <laughs> right. and he's very shy today. Oh. So, he doesn't want to talk, but he is here. So, just so you know, everyone listening, he's here very shy. I did see, I mean, I do see that yeah. he, he's doing his Heidi beard. And for those of you who don't know, it's very cute. He takes his beard and he folds it up over his face yes. and, so he can hide behind it. Yeah, so he's he doesn't doing have... it right now, Alex, because you're calling him out pretty hard. Uh, Let's just talk about this comic book that he wrote in front of him <laughs> for the know. next 20 just, to 40 minutes. I'm feeling like he's, you know, he's not really committed to our team here. Don't say this in don't front of him. Don't say in front of him. No. Alan, Thank you for coming. You're doing a great job. Yeah. Excuse me, Mr. Moore. <laughs> in, in a second, I'm just going to I'm gonna slip a little ice cream in your beard because you're such a good boy, okay? That's Mr. really nice. Mr. <laughs> That's the best way to treat a person is to slip, slip ice cream into, into their, their beard. beard. Yeah. <laughs> you right, mean, Pete? You have a beard? You, you mean, love yeah. that? Through, <laughs> through the beard into his mouth, or are you just making a mess? No. Up and over the beard. Up and over. How do you <laughs> slip ice cream? He has his beard. Yeah. We've already established this, and we can see exactly what's going on. Yes, so we can all see it. His beard is in front of his face. And in front He's of his folded face. up, so I'm going to take it, and I'm going to slip it over the top, so it'll like slide down his face into his mouth. Oh, and let me just say, gross. Alex, don't dodge Pete's question of how do you slip ice cream? <laughs> how do you slip an ice cream on your little fingers, your dirty little mitts? Yeah, you just sort of like, you take a pinch. It's like in recipes where they say a pinch of ice cream. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's what they say in recipes. Yeah, yes. you have a, ch- a children's cookbook. Uh, not so much a cookbook, as, but it is for children. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. That Here's opened something up a that lot of definitely doors. isn't for children. <laughs> Issue six of Watchmen, as we mentioned, is called The the Abyss Gazes Also. Now, previously, the character Rorschach, a.k.a. Walter Kovacs, but don't call him that. Yeah. Doesn't like it. Doesn't like doesn't it. Doesn't like his name. He got arrested, thrown in prison for all his multitude of vigilante crimes over the years, and this issue almost exclusively continues to focus on Rorschach. Yeah. Last issue was mostly Rorschach. This is all Rorschach. Yeah. This is definitely his issue, as he is interrogated in prison. Uh, now, I'll just throw out the thematic thing that I noticed right up front, and I think this is a pretty obvious one, uh, but I think it's great, 
really great comic book, you guys. Uh, it's great how well Moore hits this over the course of the issue is that it is the Rorschach test. That's what we're dealing with. That's what we start with. That's what we end with. Uh, and Rorschach clearly sees the entire world in black and white, right? He doesn't even see the blots. He sees men are all violent beasts who need to be put down and women are all slut whores who he is too uncomfortable to even touch or look at or think about in any particular way. That's how he separates the world. But on the other hand, you have every other character looking at him and doing one of two things. We either see characters reading things into him that aren't there or trying to read things into him that aren't necessarily there, or what happens to the interviewer over the course of them is they become him the more that they reflect off of him. Yeah, and... Uh, I think that's 100% accurate. He is the ultimate Rorschach test. Uh, yep. But the way that the um, his interviewer here, his uh, psychologist, changes over the course of the issue makes you feel like Rorschach is right, uh, which I think is an interesting turn. Uh, we're meant to, at, at the beginning of this issue, he is the other. He is like... Uh, has these fucked up this fucked up life, and he sees the world in a crazy dark way that we don't think is how it's meant to be seen. As it goes on, our sort of audience surrogate character, the psychologist, comes around to Rorschach's understanding of the world, leaving us in a place of like pretty dark, a pretty dark place. Right. Well, to the point that his speech starts to ape Rorschach's rhythms, we get a lot of writing in the uh, psychologist journal throughout it. At the beginning, he's a very chipper, very happy guy. He's in a loving relationship with his wife. But as he interviews Walter Kovacs over the course of a couple of days, it's not that long. Yeah. Uh, and coincidentally, and I think Moore did this on purpose, it's leading right into my birthday, which is very exciting. Yeah. Uh, my birthday is on October 29th. So this takes place right before it. Yeah, and great this choice, is, Alan. Thank you for doing yes, that. Yes. And this feels like uh, how I feel going into my birthday. Yeah. Wow. This is how you feel going into your Every birthday? Year. Uh, no, but o- over the course of a couple of days, he very quickly turns. Things get darker. He starts to see the amount that his wife needs sex as gross and disgusting. He is abusive towards men. Uh, Rorschach starts being honest with him about things and telling him things that truly happen. Yeah. Opening up, bringing him more into his world. Right. And by the end... The man is writing in his journal exactly how Rorschach writes in his journal. What I love about this is the perspective is totally flipped. Like, uh, up until this point, we've been in Rorschach's head. We've been along for the ride with his uh, action adventure. We've been reading his journal. And now it's fully flipped. We're outside of his head for the first time and in the head of the psychologist analyzing him. Yeah. Well, I got to ask. We've talked about this on a couple of podcasts, but Pete, you love Rorschach. How'd you feel about them in this issue? It was great. I mean, uh, you know, obviously I, I don't like his, uh, you know, negative views towards women or any of that stuff, but um, I do love his conviction. I do love the fact that um, he tries to do what is right and that he is uh, very messed up, uh, but tries to stop evil when he sees it. Um, also, what's interesting is... DC is kind of like famously almost ant like has therapists and stuff like really affect each other where you have like Harley Quinn and the Joker that's therapist and you know uh, therapy uh, uh, very <laughs> much affect each other this uh, you know so it's very interesting this kind of like this whole thing about like being kind of like in a room 
uh, you know, trapped with somebody for a couple hours a day can really affect you. Do you think this psychologist is falling in love with Rorschach? Yeah. He's his Harley Quinn. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, what do you yeah. think, Mr. R? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Something like that. I will say on the trapped in here with you thing, I mentioned this to you, I think, before we even started the podcast, uh, the very first episode of this podcast. But I was so surprised when I look back at this because you, at, I think if there's one thing you think of from the movie, it is Jackie Earl Harley saying, "You're not. I'm not trapped in here with you. You're trapped in here with me." Yeah, yeah. That doesn't happen in the book. It's a, fact, well, he says it, or it's right, but it's, it's repeated but it's, back. But it's third hand information. Yeah, it's yeah. such a small moment in here. Yeah. Uh, so it's definitely something they they pulled out and made because it is a great line. I, it's also one of the nice things about the movie is that. That Rorschach's in prison stuff is just fantastic. Like he takes out a bunch of people uh, in very creative ways. What do you think? This has always bothered me in this comic. That there's so much weight given to like, wow, look at this guy. He's so ugly, and he's pretty normal to looking. Kovacs? Yeah. Um, I don't know. He's normal I, looking. I is think. he? Isn't he? I don't think he's a disgusting guy or anything like that. But, yeah, but when the cops arrest him, they're like, oh, God, he's so ugly. And in this, like, it's referenced again, he's so ugly. And I, it just, cut, to me, it always bumps for me. It pulls me out because, like, mm-hmm. he's not drawn as horrendously ugly. Like, yeah, it just looks like Jimmy Olsen on a bad day. That's probably the thing is he has red hair, which instantly makes him much more disgusting than the regular person. Uh, that's oh, true. On, that's man. a very hot what? take. Uh, <laughs> Go on, Alex. Man. No, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think, like, he has his scowl. Part of it might be how people are seeing him. Like, they see yeah. his ugliness is on the surface. So... That might be part of it as well, but yeah, I don't know. I I never, I sort of just assumed, okay, in this world, we are supposed to assume that he is ugly and disgusting. Yes, uh, I think that's true. It's just weird to me because the visual, it's the one thing in this book that I'm like, the visual doesn't back it up and it doesn't seem purposeful. It feels like a miscommunication between the text and the art. Interesting. Let me ask you guys, have you ever, either of you ever taken a Rorschach test? Uh, No, have you? No, I'm scared of them. Really? Why, Why are you scared of you're them? See because of Rorschach? No, I just I feel like I would fa- fail miserably. Oh. Well, how do you fail? I don't know. Wow. Well, let me ask you this: We the, should do this. The Rorschach on the Rorschach blot on the cover. What do you see? Uh, I don't. It looks like a beetle crossed with I don't know some kind of uh, butterfly slash. I don't know. It's yeah. It's oh a lot Jesus! Of Holy you're, you're, shit! He's, he's a sociopath. He's a sociopath, schizophrenic. Yeah. Wow. I can't believe job. we were able to finally diagnose you from that one moment. <laughs> <laughs> you were right to not take the test, Pete. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your life's about to change for the worse. Yeah. Cool, cool. I have I have a bunch of pills, but we are going to have to uh, euthanize you. Oh my yep. god! Again, if you pay, if you fail a Rorschach test hard enough, they have to you have to be euthanized. <laughs> oh wow! Right. Uh, what do we want to walk through this book? What do we want to talk about in particular? I yeah, I guess like that's what we came here for. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> sure. Well, it, it's a tough one to do because it is like we get a lot of flashbacks to Rorschach. We get to see his past. We get to see his development, yeah. or at least what we're told is his development, because a lot of it might be lies. Oh, uh, interesting. You saying he's pulling a uh, Joker, a Dark Knight Joker? It, it, I think there's shades of that potentially. Like I. I think you could read it as very straightforward. And we have the backup material at the end where there are stories, but there are so many things that are kind of like that. Like there's, we don't know who his father is. Uh, His mother 
was a whore and slept with a bunch of different people. So, yes, she's probably his mother, but, you know, we don't know a lot about his past or what happened to him. I do think, to me, I've always read this as you are supposed to believe that this is his life and this sure. gave him this worldview that he has. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, it makes you feel sorry for him in a way that yeah. I think you never did. And it really gives ground underneath why he's so violent, because he's yeah. had a violent life from literally the jump. Um, I do think, uh, so we see him meeting with a psychologist, like we talked about before. The psychologist is super fun. I like rosy. how we get to see like what he sees and then what he says. I think that's very cool. Yeah, yeah. it's very now, stark and scary in the way. One thing we should probably talk about as a recurring visual motif in this book that we've seen throughout the issues is the Hiroshima lovers, the shadows of these ashen people left on walls in Hiroshima, which are being painted throughout New York City in the book. We've also seen shadow of actual lovers that I believe it's Rorschach sees in the first issues through a window. Uh, But here, they hit it again and again and again with the Rorschach blots. Uh, And the flashback to him walking into his mother having sex with a dude. Right. And then later on, when... Uh, the psychologist starts to feel like him when he starts to feel like Rorschach. His wife is seen that way, too. So there's these shadows throughout. Even from the very first panel, I believe you see the two of them sitting at the table. Their shadows are behind them, and you can kind of read into it what you want. Yeah, what, I mean, what do makes, you think it is about this motif? I feel like it's, it's Rorschach... Uh, he can't create, he's a loner. He can't create any relationships. And in this sex, when he's a kid and he sees this sex and just horrible scene where his, his, he breaks up uh, his mother sleeping with the man for money and the mother is mad at him and is like, I should have aborted you. It's a horrifying experience for a kid to go through. And so sex has always been this, is attached to that horrible emotion that he feels here. And so I think that makes it something that he can't, understand or has no interest in because it's associated with pain. And I think we see the psychologist start to have that. He's like, I don't feel sexual here. It's associated with his pain because I've felt the pain that Rorschach has gone through. Um, so it, and it points us again, like we've talked about the sort of more uh, current topical look at this book with like uh, incels or people who like sex is the other and it leads to all these like negative emotions. Yeah, I I mean we could we could certainly talk about it. Do you think uh Walter Kovacs is a virgin? Uh I think I think we're meant to think that. I mean, yeah. I guess we we never see in any of the other books like he's like I love this girlfriend I have. <laughs> <laughs> Except uh, for this nice time I had with this lady. Yeah, there's no cutaway to just a sweet sock hop. Yeah. Um so yeah, I do think so. I think he's always been just absolutely alone. I think we're meant yeah. to think. Well, and I think you're right on the incel bet. Like we're d- looking at it through this modern lens. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I was just agreeing with you. The only thing that I did want to expand on though is from the Hiroshima lovers that I think it's even more than sex is uncomfortable. Sex is upsetting. Uh, the lovers in Hiroshima are left after a nuclear blast. Yeah, sex like, is death. Yeah, sex is death. Sex is this fallout. This is what it leaves behind. This is the thing that's always present, always here. And it can all be traced back to this one formative experience where he walked in on his mom having sex with a man. Uh, they come back to that again in the back matter where he draws it, where he was like, I had this horrible nightmare, and my mommy was naked, and this man was naked, and they were joined together by their genitals. Clearly, this affected him in a very big way, um, but it expanded outwards. 
you even see it. I, we're looking at this page now. We're looking at how the uh, uh, uh of the dialogue, the way that they have it in there, the way that Moore writes it, is paralleled with the same thing when the mother is holding Rorschach and making him feel pain, where he goes, ah, 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 yeah. and we and see, we the see them in shadows. Yeah, on, yeah bottom of page all four. two sides of the same thing, pretty blatantly. Uh, this scene also reminded me of uh, Mad Men. This is sort of the same origin that Don Draper has. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, he's like uh, grew up in uh, a whorehouse and. Um, his mother was always sleeping with men or like there was all these, he was with these women and sort of in that show, the Don Draper has the opposite take where he becomes obsessed with the sex and, but is still sort of like unable to connect with anybody in his life. So do you think we talked about this on the last podcast as well? Do you think Watchmen ripped off Mad Men? Yes. I think that we're getting that closer and closer. Think, uh, Mad Men, Watchmen. Is there in the title? Oh, oh wow. yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I know the first time reading this, I was very uh, stricken by the fact that, like, uh, Rorschach kind of fakes the test, but his mask is very much representative. Like, it's interesting to me that, like, you know, he's kind of a lie, just like the Rorschach test, you know, of, like, you're telling a therapist what you think they want to hear, you know, and it's like he's hiding behind this mask and he doesn't like who he is under this mask. On the other side, you could say he's also protecting, he's protecting people from the horrible truth of the world by trying to like get rid of these villains or put a, uh, save people's lives no matter how, because he's already in the darkness. He can be as violent as everyone else is, but he is trying to protect people who aren't yet, in his worldview. And in this issue, we see him usher the psychologist in and shows him how dark the world really is. Well, I want to talk about the mask. This is jumping ahead in the issue, but uh, we find out the origin of the mask, and I think there's two really fascinating things about it. The first one is it is a para type of, I think they say it's a viscous fabric or something like that, where it's always shifting, which obviously is very hard to tell exactly what's happening when you're reading a still comic book, uh, even though we have seen the blot shift around. uh, And that was created by Dr. Manhattan. So Dr. Manhattan beyond whatever is going on with John Osterman, has touched all these different lives in very different ways. We get to see a lot of intersections here. And here, Dr. Manhattan's origin is very directly connected to Rorschach's origin as well. But the second thing is that Rorschach's mask is made for the fabric that he cuts up, that he destroys from a woman's dress, which, again, is very clearly this line between violence and women and sex that he can't differentiate between. Yeah. And it later is uh, this um, Kitty Genovese is the woman who had the dress and she's later killed. Uh, and he, that's his first sort no, of... No, no, no. Kitty Genovese is a real person. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, this was a real thing that happened in New York. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, a different woman who had the dress. Kitty Genovese is a real person in real life uh, oh, yeah. who I believe was raped and assaulted. Uh, yeah. And everybody just looked out the window at her and didn't know what to say. There's been numerous psychological studies about what went on that night. Just this tacit agreement we all make to not rock the boat, to not say anything about anything. And because nobody else is yelling, hey, stop that, nobody else yells, hey, stop Well, but uh, in this, so in the book, uh, Rorschach says, woman who ordered the special dress, Kitty Genovese, I'm sure that was the woman's name. So he believes it's the woman, but it's him putting, oh, okay. finding the story and 
giving in to his desire to like start committing these revenge acts. Right. It's on page 10, uh, the right middle panel, where he, he t- sees this news story and it's starting to, the Rorschach personality is starting to come forward as he's giving himself an excuse to go out and get his well, revenge. Well, we've talked about that quite a bit with his character as well, that he makes these logical leaps that may be correct sometimes, like when it comes to the Eddie Blake murder, he is actually tracking it down, but sometimes he just does not. Sometimes he is just making these crazy conspiracy theory connections where they don't exist. You could take, you could read this either way. It could be that it was actually this woman who dropped this dress dress off. And then years later she's killed, or it could be that he is just drawing the connection. The, the, The story doesn't really point you in that direction. Yeah, can we? T- uh, let's talk about the dead dog thing a yeah. little bit. You want to talk about that? Yeah. So, well, just to button up everything else, we have this scene where he describes um, he's getting hassled by these kids, and he does has this horrible, violent. Uh, he like puts a cigarette out in their eye um, mm-hmm. as a kid, and then that's mirrored by this scene in the in the prison where he is um, being attacked by other prisoners because they know he's Rorschach, and he like destroys this guy with hot oil. Yeah. And man, even when I was young, like this is just so violent and so destructive. Well, that's the thing about it, which is why I understand why you like it, Pete, but it's surprising to me is in my mind, Rorschach always goes over the top that it's like you poke him and then he's like, great, now I'm going to slice your fucking head off. That's the sort of he escalates far too quickly about everything because he doesn't understand moderation. Again, getting to that black and white, everything is super clear to him. Um, He even talks about that a little bit when he was still Walter Kovacs, when he teamed up with Night Owl, when he thought, okay, I'm a vigilante hero and I'm going to tie people up before he really understood the world. Uh, He didn't escalate in the same way. And now he does. Now he goes from somebody insulting to him to burning them with hot oil, which is crazy. Right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I just, in my defense, I feel like, you know, violence in comic books is a nice, safe outlet for me where I like to, like, oh, okay, this is, uh, this is I can, you know, be like, this is, you know, fun in here, but, you know. Yeah. Well, no. I don't, we're not saying you're like Rorschach. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, you know, you were, I, right? the way he worded that a little bit was like, oh, no. You know, I, Pete, one of the things that surprised me is how much you enjoy this. So I was just trying to defend, you know. No, no, no. I, I think it's just, particularly in this case, that like it is so over the top and it is so clearly the way that Dave Higgins. Uh, Dave Higgins, Dave Gibbons. Gibbons, excuse me, I mixed up. Dave Gibbons and John Higgins. Dave Gibbons draws it is he lays all the violence out so suddenly where it's just Rorschach standing there and then suddenly he's splashing enormous amounts of hot oil on the person where it's just over the top violence. But I get what you're saying. It's also in a prison scenario where if like you get pushed around in prison, you're going to keep. So you got to really just kind of let people know you can't mess with me. Dude, I know you go into a prison first day, you punch the biggest guard there. It's the same with the podcast. You got to go in and you got (laughs) to take out that big fish, which is why I took out um, Alan today. Are you? Oh, he started to pull down his beard a little bit, but then he put it right back yeah, up. I when shouldn't you have said that. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Alex slipped him some more ice cream into his beard, which is <laughs> what, uh, something you said as a normal thing. <laughs> uh, now, the other thing that visually happens throughout this issue that I, I thought was neat, we have that great panel from the last issue where when Rorschach is finally unmasked, where he's screaming, people are holding him back. He's bleeding from the nose. 
Uh, that's paralleled multiple times with the issue. I would argue, first of all, with the dead dog, which is also in itself a Rorschach test, but that's framed the same way. The blood is very similar. And then later on, I believe it's the kids who are holding it back in the story that he's telling, where the blood is streaming down his nose, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, where you get to see it the same way. Um, it's just these neat little parallels, these things that give it a rhythm that Gibbons throws throughout that I think are just so impressive. Yeah. Uh, and then, so the, what we were talking about before, where we get to this uh, sort of the last scene where we hear sort of how he went from being Walter Kovacs to becoming Rorschach, he sits down with the psychologist again, and he, the psychologist, now that he sort of entered the darkness, you see, I think you see Rorschach make the choice, I'm going to tell him the truth now because he wants it. And yeah. I think that's a big flip here. And I think also we, the reader, is, are going through the same thing where it's like, We've read this comic for six issues. Give us the end. Give us the dark side of this story. Tell us what it is. We're entering the darkness. We've gotten in this character's head. Now let's move forward and see how this plays out. Do you think there's part of it, though, that uh, Rorschach is punishing this guy because he thinks he's just a fame seeker, which he might as well be? Uh, I think that, I mean, yeah, you could you could say that, but the guy still make that's an insult he hits the guy with. But I do think he's like, he's, ready to deal with him as uh, as this monster. He's th- become this monster that he is talking about. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Uh, sorry, everybody. Justin got distracted. There was a bug on the floor. <laughs> yeah, but like okay? a weird bug. A weird bug? Yeah, like a bug that's like, what if that's a bad... Like it could be a bed bug. Oh, my God. Uh, we're going to have to finish up this podcast real quick because we're covered in bed bugs right yeah. now. Pete, are you okay? Yeah, I'm... I mean, some people see it as a bed bug, and some people see it as a weird spider. I don't think spider. bed bugs are that big. I think it's a weird spider. I wouldn't worry about it too okay, much. Okay, cool. Yeah, nothing to worry about, just a weird spider. <laughs> uh, but let's keep talking about this. So um, we see uh, Rorschach goes in. Uh, oh, it just went in Alan's beard. It's fine. Okay, good. That's fine. I guess that's where it probably came from. He finds that this child has been killed, and uh, the action slips out of any sort of narrative or dialogue into just silently watching Rorschach. Now, why do you think that is? Why do you think we get completely silent paddles at this point uh it's been a wordy issue uh so far and i think this lets us sort of turn off the analytical part of our brain and the visuals just sort of sneak underneath and we get to watch the horror unfold directly we we, he set the trap of this whole thing and made us feel like oh god what's who's the hero what's right here and then he lets us these images go right through plus i mean the artwork is so amazing in this book. It's nice to just kind of turn off the words for a little bit and let the art tell the story and the just the paneling and the the layouts really kind of well, take I it from it here. Also builds the tension, right? Yeah, because yeah, hugely, it's suddenly everything that you've had to suck in, everything that you had there is completely sucked away. You don't have the words to rely on, like you were saying, Justin, and instead you get this tension of, oh, God, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And ultimately, the most horrible thing that can happen happens, which is that they burned a little kid and fed her to the dogs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Terrifying. And when we get the kind of dog crashing through, the bloody dog crashing through the window type of situation. Um, classic situation. Classic yep. situation. Part of me wonders if, like, the reason the shading and the and the stuff is the way it is, if it was like originally turned in too gruesome, and then the editors of the comic were like, "Hey, we got to kill Bill this a little bit," and kind of like, <laughs> really? go, yeah, 
do different no. shading so it's not as grotesque and as... No, I think that's all because that's John Higgins being like, no, Gibbons. this is blood. D- Dave no, Gibbons? John Higgins. <laughs> Dave Gibbons. Yeah, John Higgins is the colorist. Oh, oh, oh I see, I yeah. see. Uh, John Higgins coloring it, and I got it right. This yeah, time. no, good. Yeah, no, you, uh, you win this round. Is red, is blood, is death, is murder. That's what we've seen throughout when somebody realizes something, when their blood gets up throughout this book, not just this issue, but yeah, in yeah, total. Yeah, comedian, we see it, you know, yeah, it just of, turns yeah. red, and I think it's the same thing here. I don't think it's a toning down thing. I think it's an emotional thing. Okay. is what I took from it. Yeah, but, it, I mean, I we don't know what the original pages look like, you know? Yeah. You think they were bloodier? Yeah, I think it, maybe it was re- way more gross, and they were like, guys, we can't print this. Uh, I, don't, wow. I, don't, I don't think that happened with Washington. Adding some drama into the DC yeah. Uh, yeah, office. Who knows? Um, we get, he ends up killing the guy, putting him through the same torture he put the little girl through, and then it... it we move right into the psychologist at a dinner party where everyone's like joking around about this uh, case. And he again exposes that he is into the blackness of this. He's in the void. The void is uh, the abyss. The abyss is right. Looking I back mean, what's you're looking at the final quote now. Yeah. What is that? Uh, Battle not with monsters, lest ye become a monster. And if you gaze into the abyss, the, the abyss gazes also into you. Now, how do you think that connects to this issue? Because it's really... Un- I'm kidding. It's yeah. Not- <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it's very obvious what's happening there. But uh, I did want to ask about the dinner party a little bit. And we touched on this with everything that's going on with the psychologist's wife. Um do you think that's actually what's happening? Because we don't get their dialogue most of the time. We get his description yeah. of things that are going on. And it seems very reductive that over the course of three days, his wife turns into a sex-starved, jealous shrew who is totally done with him in every single way. No, I think that's his POV. I think he's yeah. being affected by his work, by the abyss, and he is... Uh, reading that on to his relationship. And I think in this moment at the dinner, I think she's just like, dude, don't talk about that. And she's mad. They're having, if we were to pull out and not have his point of view, they're having normal disagreements that a couple might have. But he's reading into it like it's a much larger problem because he is so pulled into Rorschach's head. Yeah. Uh, Any final thoughts about this issue? We do have all the back matter where we get to see drawings from Walter Kovacs. We get to see psychological reports. Uh, These all flesh out what has been going on and I think back up a lot of what has been going on in the book, which is very nice to see, to get confirmation of these things. Uh, I really liked... I mentioned earlier the drawing that they have Walter Kovacs do and the writing that he have his, have do as well because that takes us very much inside of his head, and I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, any other final thoughts? Uh, no, I guess let's just see if Alan's has ready to have his take. Yeah. Oh, he's crawling at bugs. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's covered. He's, maybe it's not. This isn't Alan at all. It's just like a bugs with the bunch it's of a, bugs with a beard. It's yeah, a it's beard. just a pile of bugs that you brought in here. It's a bunch of it's pretended a bug beard. to be yeah. Alan Moore. It's a like famous a, pirate bug beard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, actually, while I was reading this issue, I was reminded of the the Black Freighter stuff um, from the last issue. Like, it feels like Rorschach is the closest analog to that in this series that we're getting. Like, the yeah. Black Freighter is directly related to how he views the world, and it's just spinning out from him into everybody else. Yeah. Raw, raw shark. You can see? Raw, raw shark. 
I just it makes got that. total sense. I just got that. If you'd like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by. We'll chat with you about Watchmen. Pete, you remember the Facebook page? Uh, nope. Watchmen Watch Podcast. You can check us out there. Also, Justin. Follow us on Twitter at Watchmen Watch One and at Comic Book Live. Yep. You can also check us out on Instagram, Watchmen Watch Podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, or the app of your choice. And remember, we taped this podcast 35 minutes ago. Um, Alan just said he's going to be here next week. He was here this Oh, no, that was the pile of bugs. I'm yep. sorry. Definitely next time, no more bugs. He just texted me that. 